0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this live stream message of the Neighborhood Church. I'm so glad that you've tuned in or you're listening in. It is so good to be God's people together, even when we are apart. This weekend is Pentecost, that the church will celebrate the world over. We're going to talk about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And I hope that you'll join me there with your own Bible as you swipe or open to Acts chapter two. But this evening I wanna talk to you about a birthday and I wanna talk to you about a pathway. And then at the end of this message, I'm going to talk about what everyone in our world is talking about right now. And that of course is the aftermath of the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So we're gonna talk about a birthday, we're gonna talk about a pathway, and then at the end, I wanna give a few moments to talk about what everyone is talking about. But before we get there, and while you're still turning to Acts chapter two, I wanna speak specifically to the members of the neighborhood church and those that have children. If you've got kids in elementary school, I hope that you've been able to participate and to work through some of the children's content that has been made available to you by Robin. And if not, guess what? School's out, summer is here, and this week we were supposed to host Rock in Summer. But, as you know, because of this pandemic, we've not, we're not doing Rock in Summer, so it's a great opportunity for you to engage those materials. We have teaching videos, Uh, worship videos, crafts, activities, all of those guides are there. And especially since school's out and we're not going to rock in summer, all of that is made available to you, to the members of the Neighborhood Church, to follow along and walk through and work through with your children here this summer. If you're like us and are missing some of that structure that school has provided, uh, this is a great resource and opportunity for you. So I just wanted to remind you that those resources are available. And here tonight, let's talk about a birthday, a pathway, and then we're going to spend a few moments to talk about what everybody's talking about this weekend here in our country. So, with all that being said, I would like to begin with a word of prayer, because this is Pentecost Sunday this weekend. It's all about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And one of the old prayers that addresses the Holy Spirit is simply this. Come Holy Spirit. And so I would invite you to just take a breath right where you are and invite the presence of God who unites us even when we are apart to come, to guide, to still, and to speak. Come Holy Spirit. Spirit. Holy Spirit, breath of God, renew me and all the world. Come Holy Spirit, renew and restore our nation that is hurting and divided. Come Holy Spirit, in Minneapolis, in our nation, and in our neighborhood. We are listening, so come, amen, amen. Would you hear the words of Acts chapter 2? This week we're going to talk about what happened at Pentecost. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about what it means when Peter speaks and tries to explain what is going on. So first, let's look at Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, as we look at a birthday and a pathway together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism... Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, Thanks be to God. Tonight, a birthday... A pathway and then we're gonna talk about what everyone's talking about but first let me ask you this question what's one of your fondest memories of your birthday maybe for some of you it's as a child receiving that gift that you just couldn't wait for or you couldn't believe maybe it's more recent just times to be together with those you love and care about maybe you took a trip what was the fondest birthday memory that you have? I'll tell you one of mine. It was for my 21st birthday. I knew that we were going to celebrate. I knew that Amy had something up her sleeve, so I didn't really know how we were going to celebrate. As it approached closer to the date, in a summer, those many years ago, I even learned where we were gonna be. I still didn't know what she had up her sleeve until I walked in to Blue Mesa on Northwest Highway, there across from North Park Mall. I don't think it's there anymore. And she handed me a card, this card. You see this happy little celebrant there? It says, happy birthday, dot, dot, dot. So I opened it up and I read this sentence from all of us. And then you see more and more people joining in the fun, which alerted me immediately to the fact that in that restaurant, in that space, was all my friends, all my family at that time, and it was an epic surprise that she pulled off for my 21st. I think she spent some pretty good money there, too, because we had a whole buffet spread, and it was so much fun. But here's what was so special about it. She even talked to some of my friends that had dispersed out to different places. Remember, this is my 21st birthday, so I had just finished college at North Texas, and a lot of my friends had kind of moved here, there and everywhere, and even one of my best buddies flew in from New York just to surprise me and celebrate. That was definitely one of my fondest birthday memories. So Again, I knew it was coming. I knew where it was going to be, but I had no idea what was in store. This is exactly what's going on at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Now, it's come to the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was an Israelite festival that you can read about in Leviticus chapter 23. Pentecost literally means 50 days. It's a festival, the festival of weeks, seven weeks or 50 days after the festival of Passover. This was a big party. And people have gathered from all over the world. But there's this one little group huddled up in a room all together. And they remembered that the Holy Spirit was coming. They knew where they had to stay, where they had to be, and they knew that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist said, this guy, this guy that's coming after me, in Luke 3.16, John says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. They knew at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the long-promised Spirit of God was going to come They knew at the end of Jesus' ministry, just days before this Pentecost festival, that in a few days, stay right here, the Spirit of God is coming. But they didn't know what it was going to look like. And for these believers gathered in this room together, what happened was a surprise birthday party to end all parties. Even in the midst of this broader Jewish festival, this small group of 120 or so are gathered together, and the Spirit of God descends upon them, and it is the birthday of the church. Jesus has ascended, and the Spirit of God that was long promised, and hear this, the Spirit of God who was always present, we know him. As the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God eternal, always living, always active, always present, now has become resident. And the Spirit of God filling, empowering, enabling this group of people in this room is giving birth to the very people of God. You see, all humanity was made for union and relationship and partnership with God. And God had always promised that he wouldn't just be around and working within and without. He would come and be resident within those who call out to him. We were made for relationship and partnership with God. And these people who say, Jesus, you are God's king, you are Lord. Jesus says, you're the people that are going to be filled with God's very presence for relationship, partnership, and union. And it gave birth to the body of Jesus, those living as God's kingdom people those living with God's very presence within them. It's the birthday of God's people, the church. Right in that moment, that ragtag, fearful, and oppressed group of people became the body of Christ because Jesus was ascended so that the Spirit could come, who was always present, now resident in these His people. Now, if you were hearing that story in Acts chapter 2, it was pretty dramatic and wild, right? I mean, we're talking about a real serious surprise party here. We see a violent wind coming and filling and shaking, a wind that could be heard even from the crowds outside. And then, to add to the noise, we hear tongues of speaking actual languages that all of these people can understand we see tongues that look like fire resting on each of these people as the spirit who is always present becomes resident this is dramatic and public and here's the thing especially in the last 100 and more or more years of the church, we've seen a revival and a resurgence of very dramatic and public ministry of the Holy Spirit. We hear audible tongues, not just tongues like in Acts chapter 2, but 1 Corinthians talks about heavenly tongues, prayerful tongues. We see prophecy. We see miracles. We see dramatic and public evidences of the enabling power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm here to tell you that we may not see that fully on display in the neighborhood church, but I've got to tell you, there's really no great biblical way to avoid the fact that these gifts are still available to the church today. While many people have seen these dramatic and public public outworkings of the Holy Spirit, they try to explain it away. They think that it's an either or. And they say, we see the dramatic and public working here, but what about over there in those deep and quiet assurances? And I say, yeah, like in Romans chapter 5. Paul says that God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, he says the Spirit of God is groaning and interceding for us in this whole world with groanings too deep for words. Paul will write to the church in Galatia that we have a Spirit of God within us that enables us to cry out, Abba, Father, as His children. John will say our own hearts can be reassured that we belong to God through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but isn't it just that deep, quiet guidance, discernment, assurance. And I would say it's not either or, it's both and. Here's why. The Spirit of God is given to all who follow and find life in Jesus. The Spirit of God is given to all, but the gifts of the Spirit are given as God sees fit to each person according to each purpose. He has for them. Y'all, the kingdom family is diverse, and the gifts honor that diversity for each person in each place according to God's purpose as He sees fit. What's remarkable, all those people gathered in that room, boom, the wind rushes through, the Spirit fills them, and yet each individual had what appeared to be a flaming tongue of fire. There is something about, even within our unity, there is not uniformity. We're still filled with the same spirit, but each we're speaking all these different languages. As the story continues in Acts, some preach, some minister in other ways. I need you to understand That while the Spirit is given to all, the Spirit is at work to bring unity, but not uniformity. Let me say it this way the Spirit works to unite, not divide. The Spirit of God is the connective tissue that unites all those who call in the name of Jesus from every tribe, tongue, and language, as we see in our text. Here, The Spirit of God is the connective tissue that joins together, brothers and sisters, from every continent of this world. The Spirit of God is working to unite, not divide. Now hear this. To what degree is the people of God, the church, undertaking that uniting ministry? Or to what degree are we as the church undercutting? that uniting work of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament speaks to a boundary-breaking community of God that are struggling to figure out how to coexist and be a same people with the same purpose, united though not uniform. People from all nations united together. And the New Testament will say, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, which is the bonds of peace. It's our job to maintain what is already ours in the Spirit. And the degree to which we divide and hate and separate over secondary petty issues is the degree to which we're undercutting the work of the Spirit of God who always works to unite, not divide. Those who have ears to hear, beware on Facebook and social media. We may not always agree on politics, but the politics of the kingdom of God that values life and peace and love. To love our neighbor as ourself. To lift high the name of Jesus above any other name. That's what unites us. And anything that divides us, can we, de- can we agree That we can still disagree without disengaging. Because there's something bigger that's uniting us. The name of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. And kinship as children of the Father. From whom every family on earth derives His name. The Spirit works to unite, not divide. The Spirit of God came in an epic surprise party to give birth to the church. Pentecost a Jewish festival and party became a birthday party for the church but within this text we also see a pathway it's a pathway that is true of them and it's true of us and it's a pathway from the room to the street you see that party spilled out of that room and into the street now I want you to imagine with me, if you will, that we were all invited to an international conference as Christians, followers of Jesus. Let's say that this international conference was held in South Africa. And let's say, because it's my hypothetical, that the great N.T. Wright was the keynote speaker of this conference. So N.T. Wright takes the stage, stands at the podium... And he looks out at a sea of Christians from all over the world. You've got Christians from Europe and Asia, North America, South America. You've got people from all over gathered together in the same place for this international conference. And because M.T. Wright, who's taken the stage at the podium, is from the U.K., he's speaking English. And let's just stretch and imagine that even with all of that diversity within that room, that a good many people know a little bit of English as a second language. But as you're sitting there and N.T. Wright begins to speak in English, you notice on the side of the stage, someone is there doing sign language because there are brothers and sisters gathered who are deaf. Let's imagine that you look down the road to the other side, and you see a brother or sister with an earpiece in their ear. And you realize that they are hearing a translation of what N.T. Wright is saying in English in their own mother tongue. So then you look back behind you, and you see this bank of translator after translator after translator. It's like a United Nations meeting. And each of them are quietly speaking into a microphone that is being distributed to all these different people from all these different places hearing these words spoken in their mother tongue. Now, I think there's something like that going on but with a dramatic spirit of God, supernatural, heaven coming to earth element. Pentecost is that conference That has brought all these Jewish God-fearing people from all over the world. You remember that laundry list that I read out to you that Luke records from all those different places? That's Luke's way of saying, everybody from everywhere. They've gathered together for this conference to celebrate this harvest festival, bringing together the first fruits for this festival on the 50th day, for the festival of weeks, Pentecost. However, there's just been an enormous surprise party. The Church of God is being born right in their midst, and all of a sudden, they walk this pathway from the room to the street. And here's what's going on. God's people are all gathered from a dispersion, from here, there, and everywhere. You know, in Genesis chapter 11, there's this famous story about the Tower of Babel. You remember it? Even if you're not a Christian or Bible reader, you've heard about Babel and the Tower of Babel. Suffice it to say, in Genesis 11, what we see is humanity coming together, and they realize pretty early on, if we can all work hard enough together, we don't need God. And so what God does is intervene as the story goes, And confuses the language, and the people disperse. But then after Genesis 11, comes Genesis 12. And there's this part of the story where God seeks this man named Abram. And he says to Abram, look up there at all the stars in the sky. I'm going to give you a family. Actually, it's going to be a nation. And it's going to outnumber all the stars in the sky. And from this one nation, all nations of the world will be blessed. Genesis chapter 11, I almost said Acts, Genesis chapter 11 sees confusion and dispersion. Then Genesis chapter 12 talks about through this one Jewish nation, all nations blessed. And then you see Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God, who is always present, becomes resident, the reversal of dispersion, the reversal of confusion. All of a sudden, here, in this festival, these Jews from all nations hear God calling them in their mother tongues from Egypt, Mesopotamia, here, there, Rome. Everywhere, in this one place, God's holy city, Jerusalem, they hear from all nations in their mother tongue to come back home. This one group that has been born of the Spirit of God is calling their brothers and sisters from all places to come back to their heart's true home, to experience union, relationship, Partnership with God. And instead of all the translators at the back of that conference, you have ordinary Galileans, followers of Jesus, who were just moments before fearfully huddled in a room, waiting for the gift of the Spirit. And they spill out into the street, and these ordinary people are empowered to speak actual languages that these people from all over can actually hear and understand. And it begs the question, what does all this mean? Peter, we'll see, Lord willing, next week, will answer that question. But for now, I want you to see the pathway modeled by these people. And it's the pathway from the room to the street to be formed for mission. Formed, enabled, empowered by the Spirit of God, discerning His plan and His purpose to move from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then, as you go out and move and work, you know what this same group of people is going to do in Acts chapter 4? Gather back to seek the face of God together again. Formation for mission. But don't miss the engine moving us in this pathway again and again as we gather together seeking the enabling power and presence of God together in one place for one purpose. The Spirit of God soon moves them, drives them out to the ends of the earth, even if he gives them a great head start by bringing all the ends of the earth right there to them. This is the pathway that can never be too well worn for God's people. It was true of them. It's true of us. To seek the forming, power-enabling presence of the Spirit of God, and then to be driven by that same Spirit, the engine, moving us to the street, because I want you to understand this. And if you're a part of the neighborhood church, you've heard it before, you're about to hear it again. And it's so vital that we get this, especially here and now, in this country, in this weekend. You ready? A step toward God always, always, always leads To a step toward others. You're going to be led to pray for your enemies. You're going to be led to love that neighbor as yourself. You're going to be led by the Spirit of God to invite all peoples, all tribes, all nations, all tongues, even them. Because a step toward God always leads to a step toward others. Ours is. Is not just a private faith ours is a public faith and this is the pathway we must continually travel and the Holy Spirit is the engine that moved them out and moves us out to the street in the 1960s a woman named Martha Reeves was 23 years old and working at Motown she happened upon Marvin Gaye and two others who were working on a song that just didn't feel and fit quite right with them. It was a song that would become known as Dancing in the Street. This 23-year-old woman, Martha Reeves, sees Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye sees her and he says, why don't you try it out? She sings two takes and the second take, because the first one wasn't recorded, gotta hate that, The second take is what you and I have heard time and time again. Y'all know it. Calling out around the world. Are you ready for a brand new beat? Woo! Should have had Kelly sing this as part of our worship videos. You know the song, right? Summer's here and the time is right for what? Dancing in the street. Then she starts calling out city after city in America. This is a party song that became a civil rights anthem. Shout out to Jason Knight for putting me onto this. I didn't realize how prescient this illustration would be, but it was a party song that became a civil rights anthem. And even though Martha Reeves at 23 singing that song just to call us to a good time together, she still admits that she goes to a place when she was a girl standing on the corners of her city streets realizing that she as a young girl person of color in the 1960s and 50s could not stand with other friends and neighbors as people of color on a city street to sing duo, or to dance and party and play like she would sing about at age 23 for Motown. She realizes That this song, yeah, it is a party song, and yeah, it's fun, and I love it. But of course it became a civil rights anthem in the 1960s because could you imagine, as an oppressed, fearful minority that could not publicly gather on the street corner, could you imagine a world in which they could go and celebrate openly Publicly, with friends and neighbors of every class, creed, and color. Could you imagine the kingdom dream dancing in the street is pointing toward? And I wish that after 50 years plus, we could see that dream more and more as a reality. But as we know this week, we're still a long ways off. From being able to celebrate hand in hand, arm in arm, as a diverse community together. And I don't think it's a stretch to imagine this huddled up group of God-fearing Jews who became followers of Jesus, waiting on the Spirit of God to unite them and empower them in that room, who only weeks before had seen their leader crucified, lynched publicly. Sure, they knew all the threats and all the oppression of their fellow countrymen calling them frauds and phonies and second-class citizens. But there is something in that minority that empowered them and enabled them to get into the street to get their nation's attention of what God is doing right here in our midst, calling around the world and inviting in their own mother tongues, in all of their diversity, in all of their ununiformity. They're called together to unity as one people of God through whom all nations of the world will be blessed. And they are the first fruits to hear the call of God, to come back to their heart's true home, to be one people united in all of their diversity. And when the kingdom comes in fullness, surrounded at the throne of Jesus, will be every tribe, tongue, and nation, because Jesus will still honor the diversity Even when heaven comes fully to earth. There is something to be celebrated in the unity. Even if it doesn't mean uniformity. There is something here that's true of them and it's true of us. Because a step toward God always leads us to a step toward others. This was the church's birthday this is an invitation to keep walking the church's pathway from the room to the street and back again and again. But I told you I was going to talk about what the nation is talking about. And so I wrote some notes down because I want you to hear my heart. And this is less about politics and more about kinship and humanity. And it's not a final word, Because I think we need to do more listening than talking. But because I'm in this with you, and we're seeking to be a church in our neighborhood and for our neighborhood, I want to talk for a moment about it. Because we have to. We have to talk about the aftermath of George Floyd's murder this week because we have to care We have to care because it's bigger than politics. It's about human life and dignity. We have to care because it's systemic and personal racism. We have to care because it is a problem. A problem that our country too often ignores. A problem our country too often explains away. It's a problem our country too often politicizes and divides when it's really about all of us in all of our communities. It's a country, we see this, that often erupts. It erupts like we're seeing this week. But you can't only get mad at the reaction, however unhealthy, You can't only get mad at the reaction and not get upset and mad and angry about all the actions that got us here. Over 480 of them. Our country erupts like this because violence begets more violence. And as long as that cycle continues of ignoring and explaining away and then erupting with violence that leads to more violence, we're just going to keep picking at the open, festering wound of racism in America. Our country was founded on it. It's long-standing and deep in our roots from day one. And it's a festering, open wound because we're not seeking the long road of healing by calling racism what it is, by listening to the oppressed or speaking for the voiceless in reconciling the hurts that have plagued our country since its beginning we have to start by caring we can't condemn those riots unless we also condemn all forms of brutality and violence and it's bigger than police and it's bigger than just what we see in some of the headlines. It's systemic and endemic in our nation, in our country. We have to care because, frankly, our nation's leadership doesn't. It's apparent in their inaction, and it's apparent in their divisive rhetoric. And if our nation's leadership did care, and I think there is some element that they might, but if they did care, they cannot heal this open wound alone. It takes more than policy. It takes every person and every interaction. We have to care because Jesus cares. Jesus rezones every neighborhood, pushing the boundaries further and further out until we look around and realize that everybody is within the boundary of God's neighborhood and therefore a neighbor we're called to love as ourselves. Every person we encounter is a neighbor to be loved, not feared, not hated, not ignored, especially because of their race, ethnicity, orientation, or background. We have to care not only because Jesus cares, but because the Holy Spirit is moving us out toward all people. As I've said before just now, a step toward God always leads to a step toward others. So you might be asking, okay, you're just saying more to the noise, and I get that, but let me at least speak to you, church, because there are steps that we can take even in the face of such a huge and open wound. It starts with caring, as I've said, it's empathy compassionate listening not just tuning out because it falls on one party line or the other it starts with seeing kinship seeing all people like god does children made in his image and loved with unsurpassable worth then we stand before god in prayer as the spirit of god is doing now groaning with intercessions for this world With groanings too deep for words, we join in those groans, interceding before God. And then we don't just stand before God for our nation, for our leadership, for our president. We also stand up and alongside the oppressed in conversation and action. Here's a super practical step you can take to stand up for these people, these oppressed communities in that next conversation that you have with those closest to you, you don't have to sit by and let these kinds of racist views and divisive rhetoric continue. You can lovingly, graciously, truthfully speak on their behalf. And then, if you come from a place of privilege, you can lend a voice for the voiceless. And then we can demand better from our leaders, country, and our community. I'm telling you this because we have to care. Because care leads to compassionate listening that moves us toward compassionate action. We have to care because these are our neighbors, our people, our friends, our brothers and sisters. And if we are going to live into the church that we've called ourselves, the Neighborhood Church we've got to care and listen and act and move in the power and presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. If all these steps still t- sound too big, I've been thinking of these words from Mother Teresa that might be a help to you also. She said, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. Start by caring, start with every person in every interaction, to move with the Spirit of God toward unity, not division, toward love and peace, not hatred and violence. The Spirit of God, who is always present, is resident within you, to help you live what Jesus taught Even though it seems too big and too impossible, the Spirit of God, who is always present, is resident within you and me, and we do this together. The Spirit is at work to unite us and to move us out to the street. So as we continue the pathway from that room to the street and back again and again, would you know that Jesus is for you, for us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And he's calling us to do what we can and to let him do what we can. I want to close now with a benediction written by the Reverend Nora Vedras. She says We leave this space of worship. And while so much of the road ahead is uncertain and the path constantly changing, We know some things that are as solid and sure as the ground beneath our feet and the sky above our heads. We know God is love, and we know Christ's light endures, and we know the Holy Spirit is there, found in the space between all things, closer to us than our next breath binding us to each other until we meet again. Go in peace.